Glad you're here today, um, especially if you're visiting with us. Thanks for giving us a shot today. Um, lots, of, uh, lots of things to say today, lots of things I've been praying about. I've been in Missouri all week on a video shoot um, and um, been thinking about you guys and this, this day. You know, have you ever had one of those weeks at work where you just can't, you, you like, if I can just get to Sunday, <laughs> I'll be really happy. And I remember thinking, if I can just be up in front on Sunday, I'll, I'll make it through this week, you know, and uh, so I've been thinking about this and, and being here in front of you today. I'm, I'm excited to get to share what God has on my heart. Um, a lot of things going on in our midst to start January. You know what happens every year? Um, every year, there's excitement around Christmas and a new start, um, and people have uh, less depression. There is actually all kinds of statistics to show that for for about a month, um, from December 15th to about January 15th, um, depression rates go down a little bit, hope goes up, people start signing up for the gym, um, people start doing new things and trying to quit old things, and then something happens around January 15th, and it goes back down, and depression starts to set in again, and maybe um, even takes a little deeper hit because people start to feel like life is, is back to usual, uh, the time off that they had around Christmas um, seems like a distant past. and um, So I don't know if you're feeling that way today, but I'm going to give you a chance today um, to look at things in a little bit of a fresh view. We've got a sermon series called Starting Point, um, and I'm going to explain where that, uh, where that comes from in a little bit. For um, But it, no matter where you are in your relationship with God, no matter where you are um, kicking the tires, some of you are still trying to decide what you believe about God. We've got a lot of people listening online who aren't, or still aren't even sure they want to come into the building yet. Um, and we're really glad for that. And if you are listening online, thanks for doing that. Um, but God wants to meet you where you are and move you to the next step. And so we're going to talk about that during the sermon series. But I want to give you a chance today to do something we do every week. We have for about 10 years. Um, and it may be one of the most important things that happens today. And that is just a moment for you to get quiet. Um, no matter what's going on in your life, um, no matter how good um, that, uh, my sermon is or bad my sermon is or no no matter how good the worship service is if you don't get your heart right if you don't get quiet in your life you'll miss it um, the bible says that god speaks in a still small voice and not because he couldn't yell and scream if he wanted to but because he wants you to quiet your life so that you can hear him so today um this is a good chance for you to get to do that and some of you haven't got to do that all week um, and this may be the quietest moment you're going to have but what we do is about a minute of silence something like that just for you to go God, quiet my life and kind of let the things um, quiet down in your life so that you can hear God. So let's do that and I'll close this in prayer and we'll jump right in today. Kind of feels good in the quiet of this room to get things back in order. It happens so quickly how we lose perspective on our lives. How we put all of our time and energy in the wrong places. How we find ourselves in situations and saying things and doing things that we would have never intended to do, but we've drifted into a person or into a place that we would have never intended to be. 
So right here, right now, God, we recalibrate, we stop and pause. We intentionally quiet our lives so that we can hear your small, quiet voice speaking to us. Whatever that sounds like to each of us, whatever that feels like for each of us, God, would you give us a chance today to hear from you in a way that moves us to something better, something more important than we could hear on TV, something better than we can read in a book at Barnes & Noble, something that speaks to the deepest part of who we are so we can move forward. God, I pray that you would bless me today with energy, that you would give me the right words to say, that you would kill anything that I have written that isn't from you, and that you would raise up new thoughts and new beginnings for people in this space today. In your son's name, amen. This sermon series is called Starting Point, um, and I'll tell you why, why I'm calling it that um, for a few reasons. First, I, I believe that there are a lot of us in this place that needs a new, uh, need a new starting point when it comes to God when it comes to a relationship with God. And, and part of the reason is that we have all grown up with, um, with some understandings about God. Not all of us. Some of us came later in life, but most of us had some sort of an inkling when we were young about who God is. And, and probably a grandma or a grandpa or a mom or a dad or maybe a cousin or a friend began to instill in us some understandings about God early in our life. Things like you've heard um, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Um, God loves all the little children. Um, you've heard things like um, God answers prayer. You, you heard that when you were a kid, and prayer is important. You heard probably that God, um, when you were a kid, the smallest part of who you were, um, somebody may have told you that God doesn't want you to run in church. Um, and, and you've kind of gotten older and gone, is that really important to God? And, but as, as we get older, some th- interesting things happen. Um, and I read in the first sermon in this series, I read a, a quote from one of my favorite books right now um, from a woman who said that when we grow up, we learn about God and Jesus at the same time that we learn about Santa Claus. Some of you did about the same exact time. And, and as you get older, your views change about Santa Claus. I don't want to ruin Santa Claus for anybody in the room, but I'll let you know, and you know, that your, your ideas about Santa Claus evolve, right? You come to a point where you realize, oh, this is what Santa Claus is, and this is who he is, and how it all works. But as, as you get older and your views about Santa Claus evolve, most of us, a lot of us, didn't evolve our understanding of God. And so very much, there, there's, there are people in this space today and people listening online, and you don't have to nod your head or raise your hand today. You're just going to feel much better when I say this today because you think it's just you. But there are a lot of us in this place today who don't feel like, as an adult, my faith works for me anymore. It doesn't make sense because when I was a kid, I learned about Noah's Ark and I learned about all the stories in the Bible and those were all great as a kid. But as I've got older, I've wondered, how does that work in my life? How does that apply to my life? And when, my, when I was a kid, my grandma might, might have said, well, God loves all the little children. But as I've gotten older, I've noticed that there are some kids that look like God doesn't love. And when I was a kid, somebody said that God answers prayer. But then I grew up and my mom got cancer and I prayed for her and she died and God didn't answer my prayer. And then your faith just becomes like this thing in your life that doesn't really do anything. So if you find yourself in that place, this is a good sermon series for you where we can get a new starting point as an adult. Now, here's the thing. There are lots of people in this place, too, who, who have evolved a little bit, and they've thought about different things in the way God works. And I want to give you a chance today to still start in a new way to start a new place with your relationship with God. And as we've gone through this sermon series already, 
it started to grow me. I want to tell you some stories today, um, and I want to give you some background on some of the things in the Bible that maybe you've, you've read and, and not thought much about. But everything in life has a starting point. If you think about it, um, I was thinking about it as I was driving home yesterday from Missouri. Um, the first time my son and I were out in the backyard, and I was, I was working on something, and I forget what I was doing, but he, Reese wanted to build because Dad was building. And so I was building something, and he, he decided he was going to build something. And he had a screwdriver and some deck screws, and he is trying to screw two boards together with a screwdriver and deck screws. No hole, no drill, nothing like that, just a screwdriver. And I mean, this kid, I was kind of proud of him. It was 20 minutes where he's putting one screw in a board. And you, can, you know how hard that is. And I looked over at him, and I watched him for a little bit. I hear him little grunts. you know. And I started looking at that. He's going to build a little table, and he's got 15 minutes per screw to build a table. And I just thought, you know what, it's time, it's time for Reese to understand building things a little bit differently. So I walked over to him and I said, hey, buddy, watch this. I grabbed my DeWalt power drill and I went zip, put it right in. He looked at me like I had performed a magic trick. And his whole world changed in that moment, that moment where he saw me do something different than he was doing it's something that seemed the same, but something so much better, something so much more powerful. He saw it, and he went, I want that. And I said, now, buddy, it's dangerous. All right, Dad. And I can't tell you how many screws he put in his finger that day. You know how you do. You push down, and you, oh, oh you know, did you hurt yourself? No, Dad, I didn't, you know. And then something changed in Reese. Until that day, hey, buddy, I'm going to Lowe's. You want to go? No, I'll stay here. I don't want to go shopping until that day. And after that, hey buddy, I'm going to Lowe's. Can we look at the tools? <laughs> because then he's got a whole new world. Power saws, drill presses. You mean, you mean dad, there's a saw that's a table. It's a, yeah, buddy, let's go look at them. Can't afford them, but let's go look at them. And it changed Reese's world. It's a new, it was a new starting point for him. I tell you that story today because some of you desperately need that with God. You have been, with your faith, you've been using a screwdriver. You, you've, been, you've been scratching the surface on how God wants you to interact with him. And during this sermon series, what I'm praying for you is that you are going to have a new starting point. You're going to have an epiphany like Reese did that day. And you're going to realize this is more powerful than I thought. That this tool is bigger in my life than I realize. That this is not a Sunday morning thing. That this is a lifestyle thing. That this is something that God has given me for my life to be better for my life to be better, not just something that can provide me eternal life, but something that makes my life here what he intended and the ache I have in the deepest part of who I am in my soul starts to get soothed when I have this kind of a walk with God. When we become adults, everything changes. But our, our faith doesn't always evolve. In fact, lots of things get bigger when, when we become adults. I'm <clears throat> finding that out. I turned 40 this year and Man, if I don't watch what I eat for about three weeks, I start getting bigger. <laughs> um, but when we become adults, not only do, do our problems get bigger and, and some of the issues in our life get bigger, also our mistakes, our messes up, our, our sins get bigger. Now, if you're, if you're not a church person, if you're kind of kicking the tires on this thing, the word sin immediately turns you off. It turns, it turns Christians off too. It's a word we don't like. And the reason we don't like it is because as long as I just make mistakes, then it's something that I can correct. It's something that, you know, when you make a mistake, you just grab an eraser and erase it and put it back in. But, but what God says is there is something he wants to attend to you that is bigger than mistakes. 
But there is a, a nature in you that is called sin. And it's something that's bigger than a mistake. It's something that you have chosen. It's something that you have done that has caused you to owe something to God and owe something to yourself, and it hurts. And the older we get, the bigger this thing gets in our life. And we get introduced to two of the worst words in life, guilt and shame. I get quiet in here when I said that. You know, it's funny how we do. John, keep telling me about power tools and funny stories about Reese, but don't mention that sin thing, right? Because in the deepest part of who you are, you know that something's broken. Even if you hate religion, even if you're not sure about the God thing, you know that there is something broken in you that feels like you owe something to somebody. The words guilt and shame are two that haunt people all over this room and all over the world. And there is a question that each of us will ask. No matter what you believe, no matter what faith you sign up for, no matter how you feel today about God, there is a question that you will ask in your life if you're not asking it right now. And the question is this, what can wash away this? What can wash away my sins? What is it in my life? What is it that's available? Is there anything that can just get this away? I can't tell you how many Christian people I've talked to recently. Good people. People who have been learning scripture since they were little, people who've been coming to church since they were little, who keep coming back to me and saying, I believe God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. There is a brokenness, and there is a, in the deepest part of who we are, a moment where we say, what can wash away this? I want to give you the answer to that today. We try to make excuses for the mistakes in our life or the sins in our life. We try to make excuses. I was young, I was drunk, I was angry, I was alone, I was broke. I didn't know any better. But the truth is, in the midst of it, we know that there's something deeper. I have a friend right now who is trying to convince everybody that he made a mistake because he had an affair. For two years, <laughs> he, he made a mistake. How, how, do you, how do you book an airline ticket as a mistake to go on a pretend business trip so you can actually have an affair that's that's not a mistake right we know better than that when a politician gets up and stands in front of people because they've been caught in something and they say this has been a mistake and i'm sorry there's something in us that goes that's not enough because a mistaker is not what jesus came for he came for those who are deeply broken with something that needs to be fixed i want to talk about it today the problem is with all of these things no matter what you've found in your past and and maybe maybe you you're like me i've got a i've got a divorce in my past that there was a good two years of my life where i wouldn't talk about it and i would hope nobody would ask me i'd hope nobody would talk about i hope there wouldn't be nobody from my life that would pop up my parents would say hey let's go on vacation over there and i would go can't go there can't go there there's too many memories there you know and, and, and the, the sins, the stuff that I'd messed up in my life. I, I, can, I can remember the person that I was, and I'm not going to go into this, but the person I was in college, some of the mistakes I made in college, the mistakes that I called them in college. To this day, I don't want to go to those cities. I don't want to see those people. When somebody pops up on Facebook and it's somebody from that era, I go, oh, I don't want to think about that. Like, I, don't, I don't know if you have that, but there is a shadow. There is a shadow that seems to follow this. And I, I want you to know that If you're a Christian person, if you're somebody who's trying to follow Jesus and you're living with that shadow, 
If you're living with the shadow of the sin in your life and the stuff that you've messed up in the past, you need to know this, and maybe you just need to wake up for a second and hear this, and then you can go back to sleep, okay? But maybe this is the reason God brought you here today. You don't have to live with the shadow of your past. (laughs) The intent of God, the intent of Jesus, is to do life without the shadow. The shadow of your sin doesn't go away with excuses or trying to suppress memories. John, um, John chapter 1, verse 29, it's one of my favorite um, segments of, chapter, uh, of, of Scripture. You'll see how this, this looks here in a minute. John was um, a man who was, who was close to Jesus, in fact, so close to Jesus that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he had his arms spread out, he was getting ready to die, and he looked down, and his, his friend John and his mom were standing there, and he said, John, I want, I want you to take care of my mom. And mom, I, I, want, I want John to become your son. And, and he spent all the rest of his life taking care of Jesus' mom, Mary. So John chapter 1, verse 29 there, Tanya. Um, oh, I'm sorry. On, on one more. Boy, I'm missing some things. Sorry, you do. It's just later down the road. Um, I, I, I want to go one more. Go one more slide, Tanya. There you go. Sorry about that. So when it comes to, to this sin, we're going to get to John here in a minute. When it comes to this sin, almost every religion or faith throughout all of history has offered a solution to this question, what will wash away my sin? In fact, you can go out right now, you can Google um, washing away sin, or, uh, or, or you can even Google um, getting rid of my mistakes, and you'll find all kinds of religions, all kinds of ways that you can kind of feel better about yourself. But only one person in history Only one person has offered himself as the solution. There's all kinds of ideas. There's all kinds. In fact, you can go to Barnes & Noble. I took a picture, and I was going to put it up there today, but it didn't come out very well. You can go to Barnes & Noble in the self-help section, and there's a whole section on the shelf called Forgiving Yourself. And it's just ideas and tips for forgiving yourself. And, And I'm not sure if they work or not. Some of them probably do. Some of them probably don't work a little bit. But there's only been one person in history that says, I don't just have the solution. I am the solution. And I believe if you can get this today, this could be a new starting point for you. Next slide there, Tanya. Mark chapter 1, verse 5. This is where we're going to start, then we're going to jump over to John. Mark says this. Um, He he begins to to talk about a man named John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was um, was not like, uh, he wasn't a Baptist like you see a Baptist church. He was more like John the Baptizer. And he did this thing called baptism um, where where you, you see our water up here. It was a little bit different when John came to the scene. Mostly what would happen is people would baptize themselves. Um, they, would, they would dunk under the water to make themselves feel better, that to, to, to atone for their sins. They began to dip themselves in the water. The word baptize is actually a word that comes from the language long before people used it in religion. There's a recipe for pickles that, where, you, where you baptize a pickle in vinegar. Um, you know, and, and so it, it's actually a word that, was, that comes, it just means dip. And people would, before John the Baptist came, people would dip themselves in the water to clean themselves. Have you ever, have you ever sat, stood in the shower after a bad weekend? Have you, ever, have you ever just felt the need to be clean because of a mistake or a sin in your life? It's not new. 
And people began to clean themselves. They began to wash themselves. They began to dip themselves or baptize themselves. And John the Baptist did it differently. He was the first person to come on the scene and actually start doing it to people. (laughs) Instead of people doing it themselves, he would say, you need to be clean. And he would put them down under the water. And Mark says this, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. Now, this is a weird dude, big beard, lots of just strange guys. Bible says he ate locusts and honey, and he lived in the woods and big hair and probably just a crazy guy to look at. Um, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching baptism and the repentance and forgiveness of sins. There was this thing that John said, and it was, it was so crazy. He sounded crazy at times, but then every now and then he would say something that would tweak people's hearts. He would say something that spoke to the deepest part of who they were. And look what the next piece of scripture says. It says, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Now, this is a, a, a great little insight into Mark. Obviously, he's, he's probably uh, exaggerating a little bit at this point, right? I mean, this is like when my kids say, Dad, I want to go to the movies. Uh, well, I don't know. Dad, everybody's going, <laughs> you know? The idea is just that there's tons of people, and I'm going to be left out. Mark says, everybody went to see John the Baptist. And the picture is not just hundreds and not, maybe not even thousands, but maybe tens of thousands of people flocking to see this man because he is talking about things that are speaking to people's souls, and he's baptizing people, and, and, and they're confessing their sins. They were baptized in the Jordan River. I've actually been to the Jordan River, and I was, um, I was there to see people baptized, and it was a really cool place, and you can just see how people could be around the banks there and watching and listening to John. It says, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandal I'm not worthy to stoop down and tie. People had no idea what he was talking about. In fact, half the things John said, people didn't know what he was talking about. He was kind of crazy, but people loved him and they wanted to find out more. There was something in John. And, and basically his message was this, as he talked to people, it was, you've been messing up long enough. Stop it. Now, what if I just got up here today and said, you guys are all sinners. You've been messing up long enough. Just stop it. Now, let's sing a song and go home. But there was something in John that people loved, and they gathered. It took about a day for most people to get from Jerusalem out to the Judean countryside there. Can you imagine just walking out there because you're hearing about this crazy man doing crazy things and saying crazy things? As we go on through Scripture, we have a a man named John, and I told you a little bit about John. Um, people were starting to ask him questions. People thought he must be the guy. He must be the man. He must be the Messiah. He must be the person that they've been looking for from God. And so people started asking him questions. Who are you? And are you the Messiah? And he says, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He says, basically, there's, there's a guy that's around here, Jesus, and you don't even know him. You don't even recognize him. He's the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And now people are going, all right, I don't know what you're talking about there, but would you baptize my daughter? Because we walked all the way down here, and we've been walking a day, and she's next, right? You know, And John just kind of keeps going, and every now and then he says something else. Look at the next slide. The next day, so John has still got all these people around, people everywhere. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. And he's been predicting him. He's been looking, been kind of hinting about Jesus. And he says this, all these people along this, the Jordan River, and he says this, look, look, 
stop, everyone. Stop. Look over there. Now, I, I don't know what you believe about Jesus. I, I believe, here's what I believe about Jesus. Um, I believe that he was fully man, that he was like me. He struggled the way I struggle. And I believe he was fully God, somehow at the same time. And it's taken me 40 years of my life to believe that firmly. And at the same time, there is something in me that wishes I could see him on a bank somewhere. I just wish I could see it. And so I, I, I think about this, and John, John probably hadn't seen Jesus for a long time, maybe for a really long time. And when Jesus came by, he said, stop, look. And this is, this is why we do what we did at the beginning of the service today, where we stop and we get a deep breath because you'll miss Jesus in your life if you don't stop and look. And John says, stop and look. He says, the Lamb of God. And people are like, what? What? The Lamb, and literally it's the Lamb from God. Like God has sent a Lamb. I'm going to explain that in a minute. And he says, he takes away the sins of the world. Now, the, the, the word there, the, the Greek word there, the original language, John would have, wouldn't just say takes, he, it, the, the thought is that he picks up the sins of the world and he carries them off. So it's not just that they're, they're gone, but it's, it's not just that you're forgiven, but it's that they are literally up and out of your life. People wondered what in the world this guy's talking about. It's interesting. I, I want to tell you a little bit about this. Some of you have asked me about this before, and I, I don't have a, time, a lot of time to get into it today, but I want to tell you a little bit about animal sacrifice today um, and a little bit about why um, animals were sacrificed at this point, and I think this is going to be really interesting to your life. Believe it or not, it's going to be really interesting for how, um, how this comes together for you. Basically, at this point in history, um, there are a, a different way of thinking about God than we do. In fact, even today, if you go to the East, there, the Eastern way of thinking is more in pictures than in, in words. What we like is for, all right, preacher, stand up and give me three things to do and send me home. But in the East, the Eastern thought is more like, paint me a picture. Like, I, I want to I do something that feels like a picture so that I can understand God more. And so part of what God did was that he instituted this idea of, of animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. And up until this time, for 1,500 years, the people that were around Jesus in this culture and in, in John the Baptist, they, they would have been sacrificing a lamb. They would have taken a lamb. And the idea of the lamb was that something had to pay for sin. You've felt that in your life, right? The problem with sin is that it creates a debt. Sometimes it creates a debt to a person, sometimes, but it always has this like disconnection with God. And so in order to pay back that debt, something had to die, and better, than, better a sheep or a, a lamb than me, right? So what would happen is people would prepare a lamb, the best lamb they could find, and they would offer it to God, not because God had, had demanded that. That's not really it. It was that it was a picture because they were, they're from the east, and they think differently than we do, and the picture for them was, God, this is death on my behalf because of sin. This is a debt that's being paid. For 1,500 years, Jesus' culture had been sacrificing lambs in this way. When there was a, when there was a sin, when something would happen in your life. Can you, can you just picture that right now in your life? Like, what would you do? You'd have to have a pen out back, right? 
You'd have to raise sheep because you need so many sacrifices. Now, a lamb died instead of a person when sin had been committed because a debt had to be paid. But here's the thing. A lamb just didn't feel like a very good substitute. And in fact, every year, um, and there's still cultures that do this, every year they would actually not just use a lamb, but a priest would come out with a goat. Have you heard the term scapegoat? You're about to hear why the term scapegoat exists. The term scapegoat comes from this part of the culture. The, the Jewish culture, the priest would come out with a goat at one point of the year after everybody had already done their sheep sacri- or their lamb sacrifices um, for their personal things. The priest would come out because everybody just felt like the, the lamb wasn't enough. Priests would come out. They'd have a big worship service. I thought about bringing a goat up here today, but I didn't think Andy would want me to do that. Um, but they would take this goat, and the priest would put his hands on this goat. I mean, you think this service is weird, right? He put, he put his hands on this goat, and he would pray all the sins of the people in that community on this goat. Can you imagine that? Like, everybody in the room would go, yeah, I, I've given up this, and I'm giving up this, and the sins of the people would go on this goat. And then they would take the goat, and they'd kick it. <laughs> and they'd kick it out into the desert for it to die. And it was the scapegoat. It was all of the things that I should have to pay for, I'm going to put on this goat, and I'm going to send it out. Isn't that fascinating? There's all kinds of incredible things that people did to try to get this sacrifice right because they knew their debt had to be paid, and they knew that that they couldn't pay it themselves. (laughs) Mankind needed a better sacrifice. Mankind needed a once and for all of lamb with a capital L. It was Jesus. John the Baptist, when he looked across the river and he said, look, what he meant was once and for all, the last animal sacrifice, the last sacrifice, the last blood sacrifice right there, the lamb from God who will take away, who will pick up and carry off the sins of the world. Not just forgive, Not just make it okay, but leave the memories to be shadows in your life. But pick it up and take it off. It's cool. Just cool stuff. I know I geek out about this stuff and you don't, but it's cool. Then Jesus would go on with his ministry after that. and He would do amazing things. And people quit following John the Baptist and they started following Jesus. And as they followed Jesus, um, he, he began to heal people. He began to show that he was both God and man. Um, he, he began to kind of do a, 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 say such amazing things that people in groves would come and follow Jesus until he finally, he, he laid on a cross, and he, he told everyone, he told all of his, his friends, I'm going to lay on a cross, and I'm going to die for the world. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. He went to celebrate a, a, a feast called Passover. And if you're not familiar with Passover, in Jesus' culture, Passover was um, a celebration that they did every year to celebrate a time in their history where they were, the, the um, Hebrews were slaves, the Israelites were slaves, and they were slaves to Egypt. And at that point, God had said, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to get you out of here. But what I want you to do is I'm going I'm to send an angel over this community, and I'm going to kill any home that doesn't have blood over the door. So get blood from a sheep and paint it see you thought the bible was boring didn't you (laughs) this is crazy get paint blood of a sheep of a lamb over your door and if you do the angel of death will come into the city and will pass over your house if you obey 
with this blood. Crazy. And to this day, there is still a feast called the Passover that is celebrated. And that night, sure enough, the angel of death came, killed anybody that wasn't obedient to God and didn't show the blood that God had asked for. And that Passover had been celebrated over and over and over. And Jesus, the night before he died on the cross, this is so cool. If you're a Christian, you've heard this so many times, but maybe you've never heard it this way. Jesus sat in a room with his disciples during Passover, this celebration where they're supposed to remember this blood, and he goes, guys, you know how you've remembered this story all of your life, and your, your dad and your grandparents and their grandparents and their grandparents all your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to remember that anymore. What? I mean, this was so offensive to these guys. Jesus said, from now on, you're going to remember my blood because I'm the final lamb. It was, it was unbelievable. It would be like this. It would be like me coming in here on Christmas and saying, you know, you guys have been celebrating Jesus' birthday every year about this time. This year we're going to celebrate my birthday. <laughs> how, would go, how would that go over? You'd be going, man, John is crazy. Everybody run away from there as soon as possible. That's how the disciples would have gone, man, this guy, he wants us to take what we've celebrated with the Passover and substitute him. Well, later in that story, Jesus would lay his arms on a cross. And he would do something that was different than many people who had. Crucifixion, I know this is a little gruesome, but it's good for you. Crucifixion happened this way all the time, where men would put their arms out on the cross, and they would cross their legs like this. And the, the nail that was between, that was keeping their, their feet onto the board, the nail they would push up on, and it would allow them to breathe. Because your arms are, if you put your arms like this far enough out, you suffocate if you can't breathe like this, if you can't get your diaphragm open. So what you would do is every time you, every time you would need to breathe, you would push up with your feet on that nail that's below. And it would be painful, but it would save your life. And so that's the way people lived on a cross until the Romans finally got tired of watching them suffer, finally just got bored and wanted them to die, and then here's what they would do. They would go and they would break their legs so that they could no longer push up. So they went to go break Jesus' legs. And when they did, when they, when they went to go break his legs, they realized he was already dead. He had bled out. All the blood in his body, almost every drop of his blood was out. It was, it was what God was using to save you and me. It was the gift, the last sacrifice was the lamb of god it was and still is the starting point for your faith later on other writers would who didn't believe at the time after jesus got laid in a grave and three days later he rose from the ground and people saw him Many people saw him, and when they saw him, people started believing, and there, a new faith came up, and a new religion came up, and they started following Jesus, and they started deciding they wanted to live like Jesus. And a man named Paul hated Christians and decided he was going to have to kill people who were dealing with God in this way. So he raised up, and, and, and he, he one day just changed his mind. God put him in a place where he had to change his mind, and he started living for Jesus. And he wrote this to a church. He wrote this to a church in a place called Colossae. He says this, Jesus forgave us 
all, all of our sins. Check this out. We're almost done. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. There was like this, this thing in us that still feels in debt. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has, same word, taken away. He has lifted up and carried away our sin. Nailing it to the cross. Here's the good news for you today. I'm almost done. That's not the good news. Might be, but that's not the one I'm talking about. You don't have to forgive yourself. Did you know that? It's, I, t- I took a picture of that at uh, Barnes & Noble. It says forgiving yourself. You don't have to forgive yourself. You done been forgiven. And here's the thing. If God is forgiving you, who are you not to forgive you? Right? Yourself has already been forgiven. Now, here's how that works, and you know how I am. I hate to just say that thing and walk away from here. Here's the application for that for you today. So what do you do with all these memories? That's the question, right? What do you do with all the memories? What do you do with those cities that you can't visit anymore? What do you do with those people that when their face pops up on Facebook, you go, oh. What do you do with the memories? Here's, here's the answer. And this is what God has expected from us from the very beginning when this whole thing with Jesus came out. Here's what, he, here's what I want you to hear today. From now on, from today on, those memories, those moments, those things you're not proud of, those shadows that have followed you, those memories become reminders of God's love and grace. They, the guilt and shame will be replaced with gratefulness. I remember the messed up marriage. My first messed up marriage was just, it, it, it was absolutely a mess. And honestly, I got, I got bailed out. She found somebody on the internet and everybody blamed her. But it was, it was me too. And when I, think about back, when I think back on it, I think about the sin, I think about the things I said, and I think about the things that happened. And I got to tell you, shadows followed me for a long time, but when I talk about it today, I don't get emotional, at least not in that way. What I think is, thank God. Thank God that he can look at me. In the midst of all of that junk, thank God for the lamb. Thank God for the blood that that was sacrificed for me. Your memories don't go away. (laughs) But you think about them differently. From now on, those memories can be reminders of God's grace and love. And guilt and shame can be replaced with gratefulness and hope. Band, band, you guys can come up. I want to give you a chance today. Um, as I prayed over you this week, there's nothing more important that I can say today than this, that, that you have an opportunity to get rid of the shadow in your life. Now, now, some of you feel like, if you've been a Christian long enough, some of you feel like this is past you. Right? Like you're, you're way past this. But I'd like for you today to, to allow God to dig into your heart. Because I think there is animosity. I think there is frustration. I think there are problems in our life that hinder the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Because we are still carrying shadow around. One of the starting points, the starting point for your relationship with Jesus, is to say, I'm not a mistaker. I have something deep inside me. And I accept once and for all, 
this forgiveness. You don't have to carry this around the rest of your life. If God doesn't condemn you, who are you to condemn you? You don't have to forgive yourself. You've already been forgiven. Your sin has been picked up and carried away. Reese and I, um, we shoot a lot of Nerf guns in the house. Rish is all, all the time picking up those little Nerf bullets, you know. Man, I, there's nothing better. What he'll do is he'll leave the gun sitting for me. When I come in the house, there'll just be a gun sitting there, and I know he's somewhere. And if I don't pick it up and defend myself, I'm going to get hit right in the face, and he's a really good shot. And he's, he gives me a single shooter, and he's got like one of those battery-operated repeaters, you know. <laughs> and we, we do a lot of Nerf gun stuff. And, and at one point, this was last year, um, his mom had told him, he's, he's got this gun that's not Nerf. It's like BBs. And she said, now, Reese, you don't shoot this in the house. And you only shoot it with grown-up around. All right, Mom, all right, all right. Well, you know what happens when Dad's not home and the, the Nerf gun just isn't really knocking things over the way you want them to? The BB gun's sitting there, right? He picks up the BB gun and he walks over and he aims it at one of his little stuffed animals. Pulls the trigger. Man, it's loud in that house. Mom found out. He shot the BB gun in the house without a grown-up and it got real in our house. I mean, it got real for him. He got punished. He got talked to. He got The worst thing you can do for him is tell him you're disappointed. He was a wreck. And got all done with it, and I want to teach my kids this kind of forgiveness. This, this kind of, you know what, you don't have to live with the shadow. And the gun was sitting over in the corner of his bedroom. About a week later, he said, Dad, I just feel bad about about my BB gun. Like, what? Like, buddy, we've been through it. You've you've been forgiven. Yeah, but dad, it's it's still sitting there. So you know what I did? I stood up, I picked it up, I carried it away. You don't have to see it. You don't have to see it anymore. We moved it into the garage way up, you know how things get in the garage, you put it, the higher it gets, you know, 15 years from now, I would probably forget about it, but he was walking through there about six months later, and he goes, hey dad, there's my BB gun, and he didn't feel guilt, he didn't feel shame, you know what he felt? Thank God for being forgiven, right? I don't know what your BB gun is today, I don't know what it is in your life that you've been looking at in the corner. It's been following you, that the shadow that's been changing your life. But today is the day to say, not just forgive it, but carry it up, pick it up, and carry it away. Today's your chance. If you can do this in your life, it's a new starting point for a walk with God the way he intended. Would you stand with us and sing today?